Hello and welcome to WeatherSnap. I'm Doug McNeil. On the 19th of July 2022, UK temperature records were smashed. The extent and intensity were unprecedented. The heatwave marked a milestone in UK climate history, with 40 degrees C being recorded for the first time in the UK. To take a closer look at the details surrounding this extraordinary event, I'm joined by Dr. Mark McCarthy. Mark manages the climate attribution team here at the Met Office. He's also the science manager for the National Climate Information Centre, providing monitoring and analysis of the UK climate change and variability. So first, I'd really like to understand this extraordinary event that we saw almost exactly one year ago today. So we're looking at a, a really extreme heat wave in the UK. And I'd really like to put that into the, the context of the broader climate of the UK. So for a start, why is 40 degrees C an important threshold? Well, actually, there's nothing particularly magical about 40 degrees as a number, other than the fact that it is a threshold we have been approaching for a number of years now. So if we rewind back uh, to the summer of 2019, uh, where we experienced another record-breaking summer heatwave event, actually the forecasts at that time for the 25th of July of that summer, there was a plausible chance of reaching 40 degrees that year. We didn't quite get there. Uh, the temperatures peaked out at 38.7, but that still set at the time a new national temperature record for the UK. And in the wash up from that event, us climatologists sat and thought about it and, well, actually, can we quantify now that we can see these events as a potential, can we quantify how likely it is that we're going to reach 40 degrees? And that culminated in a research paper that a colleague, Nikos Christidis, uh, myself and others published in 2020 to look exactly at that, the, the likelihood of reaching 40 degrees in an unperturbed climate, in a natural climate for the UK, where we found that actually it was highly unlikely that we could achieve that threshold just through our natural variability alone. The current climate we're in, we estimated that although still unlikely, the chances of getting to 40 degrees have increased tenfold due to human activity. And then that is exactly what we saw happen in 2022. How do we know that this was a record and how do we know that the globe is warming? Because there's two things going on here, aren't there? There's the straight up statistical side of things where you have long records at weather stations and then you've got the climate modeling so this is models which simulate the physical climate we write down the equations of motion for fluids in the atmosphere we look at the radiative properties of greenhouse gases and we build these models within a computer that look like the real weather system you know where the weather systems and we use those we see that this kind of event is much more likely we have instrumental observations of our weather and climate going back hundreds of years. In fact, over 360 years of temperature data and instrumental observations combined with our physical understanding and numerical modelling capabilities and statistical analysis. We can really draw out the fact that an event or a heat wave like 2022 would have been virtually impossible under uh, a natural climate variability of the UK on the timescales of human civilization. 
So how often roughly would you be looking at this kind of 40 degree event now if the climate were stable, I guess, because, you know, we know it's not stable. So let's let's think about if the climate were stable, how often would you expect this? Obviously, there's some level of um, uncertainty in our estimates, but in the current climate, we estimate that it's it's an occurrence of sort of order 100 or, or hundreds of years to occur. So it would still We'd still consider it a relatively rare event in our current climate, but we know that our climate is changing. So as we move forward uh, and looking towards sort of the latter part of this century, it may be a much more normal event. But the likelihoods then, as we go to the end of the century, sort of depend on our actions now and what pathway of greenhouse gas emissions we follow globally. So that's to say if we are using more greenhouse gases, the odds of this kind of thing are going to become higher. You're more likely to see these kind of 40 degree days and in fact, maybe even higher. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So uh, if we're talking about, you know, a hundred year return time for the current climate, by the end of the century, under a high emission scenario, it may be occurring once every three to four years. But under a more sort of medium emission scenario, perhaps it, it's one in 15 to 20 years. So the emissions pathways that we take going into the future can have a real impact on the risks and the likelihood of this sort of event occurring in the future. What are the underlying atmospheric conditions in the UK that you might need in order to see this kind of record breaking or real heat wave? What does the weather system look like at the time around the UK? So if we look at the 2022 event, it's sort of typical large scale picture that we associate with heat waves affecting the UK. So a very stable, strong, high pressure system over Europe uh, and there was low pressure to the northwest of Scotland. And that meant that we were in a situation that hot air was being drawn off of the continent in a southerly flow over the UK. So we're getting this draw of hot air. And there are actually two factors in that. So Firstly, we're getting air that is hot because it's coming off of the warm land over the continent. But also at the same time, that air is descending through the atmosphere. And as it descends, it's being compressed and that heats it up. And this is sometimes referred to as a situation of a heat dome. So where these stable high pressure systems are, are creating this very hot air. And when it's being drawn up across the UK, that's when we see the highest temperatures over our country. So the air over the European continent in this case was really quite influential. There was a heat wave to the south of us, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And very significant, again, record-breaking heat waves uh, across parts of the continent. Um, and people may recall some of the impacts of that, such as the large wildfires across parts of Spain and uh, southwest France, for example. I should say that at the time that we're recording this, there are some really, really strong heat waves across southern Europe, and China and the US as well. But in the UK here, we've got sort of cooler weather. And, and I'm wondering about the difference between the outlook then and now. And what was it about that particular time last year that was different from now where we're cool? Yeah, that's absolutely due to differences in, in the large scale atmospheric circulation. So for last year, I was painting the picture of high pressure and uh, the pressure systems were drawing this flow of air from Southern Europe over the UK. 
this year, what the, the setup that we have at the moment, again, we have this high pressure that is affecting southern Europe and creating a very severe heat wave over that part of the world. But actually, the jet stream, which controls the storm tracks across the North Atlantic and Northern Europe, is positioned this year in such a way that it is separating that hot air affecting southern Europe, whereas the UK is now sitting to the north of the jet stream and is therefore being influenced by slightly cooler conditions as a consequence. So shifts in the jet stream. So if that were to suddenly redivert further northwards, then we might see a situation where we could draw that hot air from southern Europe. But at the moment, that's not in the near term forecasts. So let's turn to the lead up to the event. So the Met Office issued an amber warning for heat on Sunday the 17th and Monday the 18th of July. So confidence that this event was coming was incredibly high. What were you thinking as we approached that event, Mark? One of the notable things about these types of heat waves is that the stable conditions can help with the predictability in certain circumstances. So we can have that benefit of being able to provide accurate and timely forecasts of the risks for the event. So one of the key things, uh, I mean, from the perspective of the Met Office, both the meteorologists and us as climatologists, when looking at this event was really that key narrative was that this was not a typical summer heatwave for the UK. This was outside the bounds of of anything we had seen before, even compared to heatwaves of recent years, such as 2019, as we discussed earlier. So that really drove the narrative and a lot of the consideration about how to communicate this message. So we had the combination of the meteorological information and the forecast information in the lead up to the event, but also the climatological context about how this was going to be outside anything we had seen before in our extensive historical climate records for the UK. I understand the Met Office had been talking to government agencies from pretty early on in July, knowing that this was coming. Were you involved in that? I wasn't involved directly in those communications, but the work that we had done in terms of understanding and quantifying the risks of these type of temperatures for the UK was a part of those discussions and being able to help um, sectors and first responders be able to understand the potential risks from this event and try to mitigate those risks by putting out appropriate messaging, making appropriate contingency plans for transport, for healthcare, etc. So it's a sort of, a, I'd say, it's an important event for that combination of meteorological and climate information to really be able to help the country as a whole prepare for this event in advance of the record temperatures that we then ultimately saw occurring. This is an event which is kind of analogous to a huge storm or some other dangerous kind of meteorological event in terms of health. And I can see that we released a UK Health Authority a red heat health alert for much of England um, a few days before. So the health authorities were clearly making plans and using the forecast ahead of time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the critical things. While we often associate summer weather here in the UK with tourism, with going to the beach, outdoor activities, enjoying fine, sunny weather, 
there are situations like this where severe heat waves pose a real risk to all sorts of people, particularly those with underlying health conditions, the elderly, the very young, the very vulnerable sectors, but also people who are doing a lot of manual outdoor work uh, can be at risk under these conditions. So there's a lot of preparatory work that is done between the Met Office and the UK Health Security Agency and other services to try to offset and mitigate that risk as far as possibly can under these conditions. Because unfortunately, it is also the case that we do see spikes in hospital admissions and mortality rates uh, during these very intense heatwave events. So were you working on the day that this record was set? You were looking out for records. How fast are these records coming in? How are you getting the data? The Met Office maintain and run a network of weather stations across the country. Several hundred of those are automated, and that means that they're providing data and information to Met Office HQ on a minute-by-minute basis through the day. And so the temperatures rose very rapidly through that day on the 19th of July 2022, um, such that uh, records were being broken before noon. And this was quite remarkable and a sort of indicator of how far records were being broken, because the the hottest part of the day tends to be in that sort of mid-afternoon period from around sort of three, four o'clock is when we're sort of really looking for temperatures to peak. Um, And The testament to that is how far some records were broken. So the national record was set at 40.3, recorded at Coningsby in Lincolnshire, but records across the country for records for local regions um, in Scotland, in Northern England were set because these high temperatures pushed very far north in the country. So records were, were being broken by, in some cases, three or four degrees or more. So quite a remarkable event. One thing that's always interesting, uh, I spend a lot of time on social media talking about climate change. And as soon as we mention records or temperature records, I get a lot of people saying things like, oh, the record is set just because it's next to an airport and um, the jet exhaust from the aeroplanes is is messing around with the records. Obviously, that's not the case here. How is it that you're verifying these records and making sure that these records are really real? What are the processes that you use to make sure that you're giving out good information? The process starts long before the extreme event even occurs. Um, So firstly, there are a set of internationally agreed standards for how weather stations are maintained and uh, the conditions both immediately within the weather station, but also in the surrounding environment to ensure that as far as possible, they are as representative of the general environment as possible. And the instrumentation that is used by the Met Office within those goes through a careful and regular and routine calibration process to ensure that the instrumentation is fit for purpose and is recording accurately. Uh, And so this is to ensure that all the observations that we're taking, whether it's for an extreme event or whether more benign, normal conditions uh, are as accurately as we can reasonably and uh, practically make them so that we can produce reliable observations for all sorts of weather and climate related activities. But because of the importance and the relevance of 
these particular extreme events and record-breaking events, then there is an additional verification process that is undertaken to ensure the validity of exactly those records. And there are a number of steps within that. So that pulls together a team of experts from across different specialisms within the Met Office. So the instrumental engineers through to climate scientists to look at various aspects of the event itself. Are the observations in keeping with what we would expect given the meteorological conditions of the time? Are they in keeping with what we would expect given neighbouring stations and uh, neighbouring observations and other sources of observations? And then an engineer will also go out to record-breaking sites, so in this case Coningsby in Lincolnshire, for example, that recorded 40.3, inspect that the site is as we expect it to be, that there's no signs of anything that might constitute irregular conditions in the way the site was reporting the record, and to look at the instrumentation itself, and again, to ensure that everything is as it should be on those conditions. So that secondary verification, while we can report the record, um, uh, very soon after it has happened, uh, this sort of verification process can take a number of days or even weeks afterwards to make sure all that due diligence and those checks and balances are done to ensure that we have every confidence in that record. So it, that sounds great. It sounds like you're literally sending somebody out to check that nobody's stuck chewing gum in the instruments or anything like that, as well as doing all the electronic stuff of checking nearby stations and making sure that everything's consistent. Yeah, absolutely. So this whole event seems super surprising if you're not paying attention to climate change, for example. It, it sounds like it's a surprise that it's pushed so far north in terms of its heat. It sounds like it's a surprise that it's broken records by so much. Were there any other surprising aspects? Were there things that you weren't expecting? I think having the record broken, the previous record broken, as far north as North Yorkshire was a particularly remarkable aspect of this event. So the fact that the heat plume pushed so far north uh, and also Scotland set its own record for Scotland of 34.8 in that event as well. Also getting very close to 35 degrees, which would be a first for Scotland too. So that uh, was particularly remarkable. The fact that it was so widespread, so as I said before, we often see records being broken by small margins. Uh, in this case, the record was broken by a very large margin, but not just in one location. Seven locations broke the 40 degree mark. So seven locations got to 40 degrees or higher on that day and 46 locations broke the previous record. So quite a remarkable extent of the, the record breaking conditions. And this is something that we're seeing that's quite remarkable within UK climate change, um, is that while the average temperature for the UK has warmed by about a degree since the mid 20th century, doesn't sound like a huge amount, but that is consistent and broadly in line with what we're observing as global change. Uh, but associated with that, we're seeing these extreme uh, values increase much more rapidly. So if we go back in time for a, a long-standing high temperature record for the UK, it was 36.7 recorded in the summer heat wave in 1911. And that record stood through till 1990. We're now over three degrees above that record. So we're three to four degrees higher in terms of the most extreme temperatures that we're recording in the UK. And that's quite significant. 
So this breaking of records, this fits in with overall UK climate trends, and we can expect to see higher trends in the future, depending on the amount of carbon emissions. But what are the prospects for a few cooler years or a few warmer years? You know, is this marching on steadily getting warmer and warmer and warmer? Or might we expect some decadal variability, for example? Or can you just not tell? No, we can absolutely say that uh, our climate is changing and climate change is already affecting the UK and the extremes that we're experiencing in the UK, particularly the occurrence and intensity of summer heat events, as we're talking about today. But it is also at the same time true that our weather and climate here in the UK is highly variable. So we are at the whims of the battleground of weather systems from the North Atlantic to the continent to the Arctic. And so we do experience a considerable amount of variability people will experience on a day-to-day basis, uh, but also on a year-to-year and perhaps less obvious over decades, where we can still have periods where we experience spells where cooler, wetter summers are more likely than hotter, drier ones. In all of our work to provide that climatological context, we're trying to bring together these various aspects of climate and climate change and climate variability. So the occurrence of a heat wave such as occurred in 2022 does not mean that that is now expected to occur every summer. And we may still get more inclement summers or cooler summers. uh, But the chances of experiencing these sorts of hotter, drier summers has increased. So as we go into the future, we will expect to to see more of them. I understand that in the European heatwave of 2022, there were tens of thousands of deaths and excess mortality attributed to the major heatwave. And I imagine it will be similar this year. How can this information about expectation for future heatwaves be used to sort of adapt to that new climate or a changing climate and help people and protect people's health? Well, we can sort of see examples of this if we rewind to some previous heat waves across Europe as well. So significant climate milestone for European heat waves was in 2003. So again, another record breaking at the time, record breaking, unprecedented heat wave that affected Europe and has been attributed to over 70,000 deaths across Europe during that heat wave. Following that event, What it led to was widely across Europe, countries writing and drafting and preparing heat health adaptation plans and heat health response plans so that when these sorts of heatwave events occurred in the future, that society would be more prepared for them. The same occurred in the UK. Uh, So we have heat health response plans that are in place within the UK, both to communicate to the public and also to communicate to the health sector and first responders. Uh, And these heatwave action plans continue to be operated and continue to evolve and be reviewed as to how we can best protect lives, protect property in the face of our changing climate. So it sounds like a case where both climate science and weather forecasting can really directly help keep people safe in these kinds of events. 
Absolutely. Uh, we often talk about, you know, the, the distinction between weather and climate and climate as this sense of the average of the weather or the culmination of some statistical description of weather events for a particular locality. But really through these extremes and the fact that our, our climate is changing, uh, particularly for how we communicate that message, it is increasingly important that uh, we uh, bring together these components of weather and climate science and our observations and numerical modeling capabilities to provide the best possible evidence for how we should respond to this environmental challenge. Well, thanks, Mark, for joining us on WeatherSnap. That's been a really fascinating conversation. My thanks to Dr. Mark McCarthy. That's it for this edition of WeatherSnap. I'm Doug McNeil. The producer was Claire Nazir. Thanks for listening. <laughs>